time for our second hour roundtable on America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. More talking truth about America. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I want to say a little bit more about this Harvey Weinstein case. You know, I know that it's a kind of story where it's very easy for people to say, oh, come on, you know, yes, he's gross and he's crass and but it's not political. It's just a you know gross guy. And after all, it's Hollywood. And everyone kind of heard the casting couch stories for you know fifty years. They've been here forever. And, you know, and and to dismiss it, or at least, or also to argue that maybe it's just taking too much advantage of a bad situation to try to make a political point. But I don't think so. I'm going to say a couple of things why I really think this matters. You have to recall the depth of outrage by Ashley Judd, Hillary Clinton, dozens of other Hollywood and, you know, celebrity types over the language that Donald Trump used in his Access Hollywood that where he was unknowingly recorded and made, admittedly, very crass statements. But those women, about those statements by Donald Trump, essentially were saying they have ever since that time referred to him as a misogynist, referred to him as someone who could you know, have said repeatedly, in fact, Michelle Obama said it again last week, that no self-respecting woman could ever vote for Donald Trump. No self-respecting woman. He's a misogynist. He's a, I mean, just they have built him up into this monster, frankly, for ignorant women, because millions and millions of women voted for Donald Trump and still support him. But the point is the left tries to make a political point that because of this crass language and maybe other things he said or done, that he is unfit to lead, that anyone who dares to support him, especially a woman, is just a fool and has no self-respect. Hillary Clinton said that recently, that women who could vote for Donald Trump have no self-respect. And all she's really saying is, I'm sad, I'm mad, I lost, and I don't agree with his policies. But the left uses sexual misbehavior, even verbal misbehavior, as a launching point to say, and this is proof positive that there's absolutely no way this person is competent to even be, you know, elected dog catcher. I mean, they just, that they just go wild and they have the media in their back pocket repeating every time Donald Trump's name is said, misogynist, you know, sexual assaulter, blah, blah, blah. So now let's go to Weinstein for just a minute. At this point, we're at the numbers, at least 32 credible accusations of grotesque personal physical conduct on his part. I'm not going to review it because many young people listen to this show, and I don't need to do that. That's not relevant to the story. But we're not talking about, you know, using uh, hey, baby kind of language to a woman. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about very grotesque physical conduct. So all these women knew this about Weinstein for years, years and years. They went through it. They suffered. They said nothing which made them an enabler. He continued in this because everybody else knew that's what he does, and they knew he would do it again, and they let it go. They let other women become his future victims. They endangered others. Liberal women are are just always okay with this double standard. They can just whine and moan, be outraged about Trump. And and Ashley Judd, I mean, went nuts uh, about the Women's March after Trump was uh, became president. And this is a woman who's now saying that she was actually sexually assaulted by this guy. 
never complained. 20 years. So she can be hysterical over language, but actual conduct. And this conduct was widely known. There are now lots and lots of jokes out there on the Internet. You know, jokes that were made at award ceremonies for actors and actresses and all sorts of events where Weinstein's sexual jokes were just very common. This was a conspiracy of silence by these Hollywood women for the purpose of money and power and status. They liked that he got them into movies. They liked that they they became more famous. They liked that he got wealthy. It was not some noble, I'm protecting this guy because I think he's got a problem. This is, I want money and fame more than I want um, and, and want my next acting job more than I want to stand up for morality. I also, I mean, so this is, and then, you know, the other thing I want to mention about this is the, um, the high-mindedness that the American left in, in all sorts of ways on sexual behavior where they have, and, and by the way, Weinstein, huge, huge Democrat donor. I mean, in the millions and millions, a, he, he is the face of the Democrat Party in terms of raising money. He has donated to every conceivable Republican, I mean, excuse me, Democrat candidate, all the Democrat women take his money. Now they're, they're you know, chasing, running around trying to give it back or um, give it to charity. But these are these women taking his money for years, knowing what a pig he is. And at the same time, that's half of their brain. The other half of their brain is going after Donald Trump and anyone else with an R by their name. The last little just astonishing hypocrisy about this is Hillary Clinton, who is married, as you well know, to Bill Clinton, you know, Credibly accused rapist, admitted multiple sexual harasser in the dozens and dozens of women as we went through during the campaign when Hillary Clinton was running for president. I'm not going to go through them all again, but Hillary Clinton had the audacity to sit there, stare into a camera, and in an attempt to defend Weinstein, her you know buddy who's donated millions to her causes, she said to the interviewer, well, we already have had a sexual assaulter serve in the, in the White House. And she wasn't talking about her husband. She's calling Trump a sexual assaulter when, in fact, it was, you know, her own husband. Far worse. The hypocrisy she gets away with is astonishing. But the best remedy is don't you be swayed by her or any of these Hollywood folks. They cannot talk about sexual harassment anymore. Don't go away. Be right back. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. 
and they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans, what is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. Welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, and I'm so happy to talk to you every Sunday evening, 6 to 8 p.m. And we have online uh, another guest tonight. And remember I was telling you earlier in the show, so I went to this conference recently, and uh, my husband had been at three conferences recently. <laughs> anyway, um, became across this group called the Pacific Legal Foundation. And I'd heard of them before, um, but not really met anyone from there. So our first hour tonight, we had on Jeff McCoy, who was talking uh, to us, telling us about the effort to, uh, it's called, they're calling it red tape rollback. It's the effort to push the uh, pullback of regulations under the Congressional Review Act. And then joining us now, we have another guest from Pacific Legal Foundation named Reed Hopper. And he's also an attorney uh, in their environmental law practice group. And so first of all, good evening. Hi, Reed. Hi, how are you? Thank you for the invite. I'm so glad. I'm very well. So glad you can come on, come on with us. So I'd love to have you tell our listeners about this case. There was an argument at the Supreme Court last week, and it was involving the acronym is 
WOTUS, like W-O-T-U-S, Waters of the United States, but it has to do with an EPA rule. And we've been talking tonight, just so you know, because you haven't been on with us a whole hour, but we've been talking a lot about how, you know, it takes, you can... Trump, President Trump, or people can run for office and say, we're going to roll back government, we're going to drain the swamp, we're going to reduce the power of the federal government. But it takes foot soldiers to push and push to pull back power from the federal government back in, if it doesn't belong there, back in the hands of Congress. Or, or and, and two, it takes effort by people like you to accomplish these things. So thank you for what you do. And tell us all about this litigation, please. Sure. The Clean Water Act was uh, passed by Congress in 1972. At the time, the Corps of Engineers and the EPA interpreted it to cover uh, navigable, in fact, waters, waters on which you could float a boat and could be used for interstate commerce. That was fine. Uh, But then they started pushing the envelope on their federal authority. Uh, And uh, in June of uh, 2015, these agencies passed the new rule uh, that I think could – without uh, any exaggeration, uh, be declared as a a rule that had broadened federal authority more than any other uh, rule in U.S. history. It essentially authorized these agencies to regulate and control virtually all waters and and much of the land of the United States. So this this was immediately challenged uh, by 30 different states, 70 different parties at the Pacific Legal Foundation. We challenged the rule. Uh, for violating uh, statutory law, for violating the U.S. Constitution. We represent uh, 11 different parties from seven different states. The, 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 the actual suit raises two questions. Number one, is the rule valid, uh, which we believe it is not? Uh, and two courts have preliminarily agreed with us, the North Dakota District Court and the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. And then the second question is, where does one go to challenge such a rule? Does one go into the trial court, the federal district court, or, or does one go directly to the court of appeal? Last week on the 11th Wednesday, the Supreme Court addressed this second question, or at least heard oral arguments on it. Uh, and so we believe that it's quite clear from the language of the act itself that landowners and others who are harmed by the rule where the government is asserting jurisdiction illegally, have the right to go into the district court and challenge this rule. The EPA claims that they must go directly to an appellate court. Well, why does that make a difference? Well, if we can go to the district court, then we have a six-year time frame in which to file a suit. But if we have to go through the appellate court, we have only 120 days to do so. During the oral argument, Chief Justice Roberts was very concerned about this issue. He uh, expressed his view, uh, which we agree with, that it may take years for landowners to know whether or not this rule even applies to them. And so a 120-day window would really shut the, uh, the courthouse doors to many people. In fact, this, uh, the rule of the Clean Water Act uh, rule, uh, you mentioned the, the acronym WOTUS. It stands for Waters of the United States. The rule tried to define the, what waters of the United States means or the scope of the Clean Water Act. And uh, it's very important that we know exactly where we can go to bring these kind of challenges. Okay, I want to jump in and say, first of all, this is, uh, if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Reed Hopper of the Pacific Legal Foundation, who's uh, involved in litigation before the United States Supreme Court relating to a, um, a rule by the EPA relating to the waters of the United States. But 
to be really clear for our listeners, you know, it can sound like, well, okay, so it's a district court, appellate court, what's the difference? But isn't the essence of it is that it's the time frame that you were, as you said a moment ago, the time frame is reduced so that a person would have to be aware of the impact of the rule on the land they have. And from that, is it from the passage of the the issuance of the rule? or But anyway, whatever it is, they would have a short amount of time. It sounds like what really is happening is the EPA is trying to evade judicial review, evade American citizens and, and evade the potential to have their rule challenged uh, in court. Is that right? That, that's exactly right. The EPA, the, and the time frame runs from when the rule is uh, has been promulgated. Uh, and as I said, that occurred back in June of uh, 2015. But, but yeah, the whole purpose is that the EPA um, is arguing that it's administrative convenience, that is, it's, it's right or it's a desire to have a uh, one single court in a 120-day period review this rule is more important than the access of literally millions of members, uh, citizens who might be affected by the rule, uh, who would be better served if uh, they could file in a trial court and have six years to do so, as I said previously, and as Justice uh, uh, Roberts and others, on, uh, other justices on the courts have mentioned on Wednesday, it just may, t- may take years before you even know whether or not this rule applies to you. So you need to, you need to have this broader uh, window. So actually what the EPA is saying is it's already too late for anybody to challenge the rule. It would under their view, yes. yes. Okay. That is just, you know, it is a... It is a um, it fits with the theme that we've been talking about tonight is part of what we like in America is we have like the notion of a responsive government. We have we, we the people are the sovereign. We have the power. We elect government. When you have this attitude emerging out of the I'm not asking you to attribute motives to individual people at the EPA, but the attitude emerging out of the administrative state that's kind of like saying, you know, we pass rules. And if you're, you know, uh, the vast majority of Americans have no clue that it applies to them. And by the time you figure it out, we can pa- we can set it up so it's too late for you to even challenge it. It is an arrogance that is just I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm surprised. Uh, I, I'm surprised they even dare do this. So you were at the Supreme Court. You were watching the argument. So and you mentioned Justice Roberts. How do you think the argument went? I think that the uh, justices uh, were almost universally uh, in uh, in favor of our view. I think they uh, were definitely leaning in that direction. They certainly were troubled by the government's position that there should be only a narrow window for uh, for attacking these kind of rules, and I think they virtually all expressed that. Uh, the during the uh, uh, during our side of the argument, there were very few questions that were asked, but all the all the uh, justices came alive and. Uh, uh, really peppered the uh, government attorney with some very difficult questions, hard to reconcile. And I think that uh, it's clear that uh, we will uh, we should win the case. And I wouldn't be surprised if if we had a, a very strong showing, perhaps even a unanimous victory. Oh, that'd be great. I actually am aware of. I can't remember the case. I I talked about this case at one point several years ago on the show that there had been. Uh, cases against uh, challenging the uh, overreach of the EPA where the Supreme Court justices have come down. Like I think it was an 8-0 case. So I, I think this notion, at least procedurally, because this really isn't envir- this isn't really an environmental case. It's kind of like an administrative law issue or, or a, uh, you know, it's kind of citizen access to the government um, uh, issue. So I, I think that's really fascinating. I'm, I'm glad you took, oh, go ahead. 
Yeah, um, it, it is at this point. Uh, ultimately, once we find out what uh, a court has proper jurisdiction, then we'll get to the validity, and it'll be a, a, a true environmental law case, uh, not not just merely or just a, a you know access to the court type administrative law case, which, by the way, is still quite important because it affects millions of people. You're probably referring. Uh, to uh, the case that uh, I had an opportunity to argue last year. This is the Hawks case. Uh, for the 40 years in which the uh, Clean Water Act has been uh, in, uh, um, <clears throat> you know, in use uh, and applicable, uh, the Corps of Engineers and the EPA could declare jurisdiction over any area of the country, and the courts would not allow a landowner to question that uh, jurisdictional determination in yeah. a court of law for 40 years. And we challenged that. Uh, um, as I said, I argued the case last year. We had a unanimous Supreme Court victory. The court said that the, um, the ability of the citizens to access the court supersedes the administrative convenience of the agency. And that's what this case is about as well. It sure sounds like it. You know, we're going to run out of time here. Would you quick tell our listeners how they can learn more about Pacific Legal Foundation and these cases? Where can they go online? Sure. The the best place is uh, pacificlegal.org. We have a wonderful new uh, website. Um, all of our cases are listed there, the documents, some of the projects we're involved with. Many of our partners were a nonprofit organization. Uh, we survive on donations, been around since 1973. And we're started at the recommendation of then-Governor Ronald Reagan. We love it. Got a roll to a break. So sorry. Thank you very much, Reed Hopper. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony list, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org.
If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties. And in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. And welcome back. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Okay, I have to tell you something. So people were texting me um, on, on the break. Uh, so first of all, that gentleman, I'm so sorry that these segments are so short. I wish I had, you know, two hours a day, five days a week, and I wish I had no commercials. But I guess that's not really realistic. But I do want to say that the guest we had on, um, both our guests tonight from Pacific Legal Foundation, they're part of why I want people like this to tell you what, they're doing is because you know a lot of us in um, really politically active people we get behind campaigns we get excited we like themes we like you know we like the concept of federalism and limited government and we like the feel of donald trump in the campaign uh last year talking about draining the swamp and that didn't just mean you know getting rid of people who've been in washington too long but also you know removing the the layers of power that have just kind of encrusted themselves in washington and and, and to change attitudes in government. And so everyone loved those concepts, and many conservatives got excited, got behind them. But it takes, it, it takes people in the trenches, like these two people we just talked to tonight, to do that. It takes actual people in the trenches filing lawsuits, file, you know, understand, understand how, where you file and how you file, and, and to uh, do your research and prepare your arguments. And uh, so now this case is before the Supreme Court. But just think about what this guy was saying, Reed Hopper was saying. He's saying that even though the underlying law said, you know, when a regulation is passed under this uh, Clean Water Act, that a person harmed by it, a citizen harmed by the interpretation of the Clean Water Act, should have, has six years from the passage of the rule 
to file a lawsuit. I mean, to go and say, hey, you know, the way the Clean Water Act is being interpreted, I can't feed my cattle. I can't get water to my cattle on my land. I can't dig my well. Whatever the problem is, you had six years. The arrogance that has evolved in Washington over decades and decades of growing power in Washington and just the we ruling elite, we know better than you. We tell you what you can do. We tell you whether or not you can do certain things. And you don't have anything to say about it. The EPA actually had the audacity to stand there in front of the United States Supreme Court and say and defend a policy that said, if our clean water, our WOTUS rule, Waters of the United States, W-O-T-U-S, you know, if you think you have a claim under this, you only have six months to bring the claim to court. It's like a statute of limitations. You have only have six months to bring it to court or you lose your right to complain. And as he pointed out, many people would not know in that time period anything about this regulation, how it was going to impact their lives, how it would hurt their property. They wouldn't know in, in that period of time. It may They may discover it when they go to say, hey, you know, we decided to sell our property. We've decided to divide our property. We've decided to dig a well. We've decided to put in a pond, whatever it is they want to do, and then discover that the EPA rule prohibits what they want to do. And the EPA is saying, sorry, Charlie, you can't sue. You're just simply a powerless peon citizen. And we don't have to humor you. This is the attitude. And I I know I'm always picking on EPA. I can point out other federal agencies as well. But the environmental movement got grew like a like a snake pit during the eight years of Obama when we had people just committed to environmentalism as a religion, as a we rule this country. We're going to fix you. We're going to tell you. And you're not you can't do one darn thing about it. Kind of the attitude that President Obama had on the Iranian deal, where he knew the elected members of the United States Senate, he could not get the votes he needed to get it certified, ratified as a treaty. So he just said, okay, I'm doing a treaty all by myself. I'm, I'm going to call it a deal, not a treaty. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to run over the UN. They're going to sign it for me. And here, that's where what happened. And so, you know, I know that we have sometimes really exciting guests on the show. We have, you know, Lieutenant... Um, Colonel Allen West quite often. We've had Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and and, elected members of Congress. We've had all sorts of of wonderful guests. But these people tonight and, and others I will have in the future, they're the ones that are bringing the the unaccountable bureaucracy back to accountability. They're want they're really draining the swamp every day when they're out there fighting for these kind of cases. And we and the Pacific Legal Foundation which I, I'd heard of them before, but I mean, they they do marvelous things. Their website, okay, maybe I'm a tiny bit wonky, but their website's really, really fun to read. I urge you to go read it. Just read the cases they're working on. It's just an amazing thing. One of the little cases, we're going to come back to it. I'll have um, them on some other time again. You know, they had a um, a tiny little dusty gopher frog or some name like that, some, some you know, endangered species, which they had a small area in, in some state where that, frog was and so instead of designated uh, designating that little area they they designate a massive hundred acre you know um area as uh, untouchable because of this little frog that lived in like you know a two square you know two square miles or something and i raise this to say 
the EPA and generally speaking, federal government will always take more power if you let them. They will always. So it takes people like this. Okay, I'm done on that. All right, I want to turn, though. Um, I, I guess I'm done on Weinstein. I'm going to have to get over that. But the other our kind of our, if our theme for the night is about all these attacks on President Trump. You know, I can, I, as everyone who listens to this show knows, I, he was not my first choice in the primary. I understand why he resonated with the American people. Because he was saying, look, the Republicans don't listen to their voters. The Democrats are, you know, off in the very far left wing. And what Donald Trump ran on, if you had, in my words, had to summarize it, is returning to the roots of America. Returning to a notion of pride in our country. Returning to a notion of having actual borders that we enforce. Returning to a notion of having our immigration policy, our refugee policy, every other policy have as a core consideration, does this keep America strong and free and great? He wants jobs to come back here. He wants businesses to thrive, which is the American engine. And everything this guy wants is what the American dream was originally all about. It has nothing to do with misogyny. It has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with national uh, origin, with ethnicity, the color of your skin. It has, that's the beauty of the idea of America. It's just about a return to the values of America, of freedom, free markets, limited government, get the government out of your face, get the EPA out of your backyard pond, get government, you know, return to liberty. So this really, really outraged many people in the American left who happily were watching more and more control of our lives taken over by the federal government. And now I want to turn to Obamacare, what happened this week with Obamacare, what really happened versus what the media is trying to say happened. To be very clear, the Democrats in this country, including Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and leader, all the leaders of the Democrat Party want nothing more than socialized medicine. They know not to call it that, but they call it single payer. It's exactly the same thing. They want federal government control over the entire health care system. They were afraid to try to get that passed on when President Obama was president. They knew it wouldn't fly, so they designed Obamacare to fail. And this is widely acknowledged. This is not speculation. It was not going to work. Obamacare wasn't going to work. So to be specific, what ha- all has happened in this last few days, it has sent you know, Nancy Pelosi into spasms of claiming that Donald Trump wants, you know, poor people not to have health insurance. He wants people to die. All these this idiotic stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. All that President Trump did was say that illegal subsidies, payments by the federal government to insurance companies because to supplement what the insurance companies uh, receive for selling these policies these payments being paid out by Washington had no basis for that. There's been no appropriation made. There's been no federal law that permits these appropriate, these payments being made. So to back up Obamacare puts in place all their, you know, just complete smothering of the healthcare system of America, including policies you can buy under the Obamacare exchanges and the policies are regulated. Insurance companies cannot make ends meet selling the policies under the Obamacare system because they can't charge what they need to charge for what they're expected to provide for the people. So, because they're the you know the two two and two cannot add up to four because there is not enough money, the um, 
the federal law contemplated payment by the federal government to insurance companies to make up the difference because people are buying insurance that they they're not really they're, they're not paying for the insurance they want to have. So this requires these payments. But under our federal law, under United States federal law, payments of money have to be actually appropriated, meaning Congress has to pass a law saying, yes, you can pay this money. You're, you're authorized to pay money out of the Treasury. Well, not that never happened. All the payments under Obamacare to insurance companies, these subsidies, have been paid without any appropriation, without any law passing in Congress authorizing that. So all President, Obama, President Trump did was return to the rule of law and faithfully execute the law and say, we can't keep paying, paying this money. It's not, it's not been authorized by law. We have to go back to following the rule of law. And that, my friends makes Nancy Pelosi and Hillary Clinton crazy. Don't go away. On August 2nd, 2006, Debbie Lee was notified that her son, Mark Allen Lee, had been killed, becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the Heroes Hope Home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit americasmightywarriors.org today to learn more. That's americasmightywarriors.org. There's a lot of talk today among media, in academia, in our culture, about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers? It's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. 
program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. Welcome back to American Family Talk and to the fastest two hours of my week every week. If you're watching on Facebook Live, I do mean to say, if you're listening to this in your car or someplace else, you can always go to Facebook Live. We put the show out on Facebook Live at America Can We Talk. You can also listen online if you go to americacanwetalk.org and click on Listen Live. And all of our interviews, our past interviews, are on the website, americacanwetalk.org. They're available. Also, we have a fabulous YouTube channel, America Can We Talk. And we have my first fives from every uh, show. We have our interviews. We have some roundtable things. We have all sorts of things. Uh, on the. Uh, it's just a really uh, good and beautifully organized, because uh, I didn't do it i can just say i'm not bragging i had someone very uh, wonderful help me organize the youtube page so america can we talk love to have you come and visit us online too and we, we have great conversations on on our facebook page america can we talk throughout the week and all sorts of stories and my email address for the radio show is america can we talk.org and uh, love to have people um people send kind of funny things um and sometimes they tell me things they didn't like in the show and that's okay too um, and also on Twitter at Debbie Can We Talk. So please feel free to um, follow me on Twitter and, and get in the conversation about America. I want to thank the sponsor for our show. This show uh, would not be possible without the generous sponsorship of GC Works. They're a Dallas-based company. They perform research in advanced technology and deliver innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry. So very grateful for their support uh, and, and for yes, why we have the show. Okay, you know, I've been talking tonight about this um, this kind of uh, relentless effort to um, undermine President Trump. And, you know, I'm, I, I can find a lot of things I don't like with the tweets he sent. And, and um, I, you know, I'm, things I can say I don't think are perfect. But I really urge everybody, even if he wasn't your favorite choice in the primary, to step back and think about what made 
the people in this country turn out for him as they did and cause him to win the election. And it really has to do with things. I think most people, you know, if you could put put aside party labels and stop talking about Democrat or Republican or left or right or far left or far right, alt this, alt that, what do you want America to be? I mean, really, what do you want it to be? And, and you want it to be a place where there is security so we don't have uh, endless violence as happens in other countries. And Western Europe has just having a horrible time um, right now dealing with all the uh, violence created by uh, a massive insur- insurgency of um, Islamic refugees coming into their country and not having uh, control of it. Uh, you want to have order. You want to have a country that's fair. Everyone wants a country that's fair, that provides um, opportunity for everyone that a pot that you know we, we want a country that has a a robust you know job market you want to have a country where you're you know you get out of college or your kids get out of college or high school and they find a job i mean they they are participating in the economy you want the america that's robust the, the american um churning economy you want to have a, a country that's um it's rooted in the kind of ideas that, that made America strong, you know, personal liberty, personal responsibility, the idea that we, generally speaking, expect everyone to make their way in life. We always will always help those who are physically or mentally disabled, but leaving that group aside, which of course will always help, we want to have a country just a, on fire with the, activi- the um, activity of, of a robust economy, and we want to have a notion of pride in America and our history. And so, you know, I think that a, that's a, a lot of people felt and heard from President Trump during the campaign and what he's trying to do. And I'm, you know, I have, I am very critical of the uh, seeming effort on the part of some Republicans in the Senate and the House who just will not cooperate with President Trump's agenda. And I'm hoping that changes. And one particular issue that I am is, uh, you know, kind of the top of the pile of concerns right now is that, you know, there are many, many openings in the federal courts, and I'm sure you know, but, you know, in the states, states and filling their judicial seats, each have their own procedure. Some of them have appointed judges. Some have elected. Whatever they do is fine. We're, well, I live in Texas. We elect our judges. But states have different procedures. But the federal level, the federal district court, which is the trial court, the circuit courts of appeal, which are the appellate courts, and the Supreme Court, all of the federal judges are appointed by the president and must get confirmation from the Senate before they can take their they can take their seat. And the reason I want to talk about that tonight is there has just been a um, a great frustration on the part of many conservatives with the notion that the people in this and this and this is just the Senate side that does this confirmation. It's it's not that the U.S. House does not get involved with that. A frustration and consternation that. The Republicans continue to let the Democrats control the Senate, even though the Republicans have the majority. And I, I mean, it's a, it's a sight to behold when you watch the issues, the way they get handled in the Senate. One particular thing has to do with these nominees, and I want to talk about this in the show before, but just to be really clear, there's a tradition in the Senate. It is not a law. It's not a regulation. It's not an agency rule. It's just a tradition that in the Senate, when a nominee is placed by the president into nomination to serve on a federal district court or court of appeal, that, you know, that the nominee has to go through the Senate Judiciary Committee, and that's where the, the famous hearings, you remember watching Clarence Thomas and other other hearings of, of Justice Gorsuch, 
um, before the um, that Senate Judiciary Committee. But there is a tradition that if you, the um, two senators from each state, if the Senate nominee is for, if the court nominee is from your state, there's a blue slip, literally a blue piece of paper, a blue slip procedure that. Um, these, uh, like if the nominee is from Minnesota, the two senators from Minnesota have a blue slip and they turn it into the committee to say, yes, we're okay with this nominee. And it was intended in part because previously before the age of the internet where everyone can know everything about everybody, you know, it was thought maybe there were some familiarity some of these senators would have with a particular nominee. So... Uh, that rule is still in place. And so I, the frustration with, and I, I am just impossibly frustrated with this, is that the lead, the Republican leadership in the Senate is letting the Democrats run the show because they're continuing to honor this blue slip process and failing to just deal with the reality that the Democrats in Washington are doing everything they can to stall every single aspect of Donald Trump's presidency. Every single aspect. The Democrats, in fact, Nancy Pelosi's out with a big mention in the first hour, a big interview at NBC, whining, moaning, complaining, President Trump hasn't done this, 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 this. I mean, she's engaging in the undermining of him and 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 doing everything she can to get in his way so he can't get his agenda done and then complaining he's not getting anything done i mean just just so duplicitous just despicable but back to the senate is finally so what happens in the senate i I mentioned minnesota for a reason there's a nominee for a federal court bench in minnesota and so the two democrat senators from minnesota will not turn the blue slip in so the nomination cannot go forward they can't have the hearing because the blue slip didn't get turned in. And this is a point. Finally, Mitch McConnell, who's hardly a leader and hardly an ally of President Trump. But Mitch McConnell, a majority leader of the Senate, is finally realizing, actually, the people are getting mad about this. I you know, I, I can't just let the Democrats delay. I, I have to take charge of the situation. So finally, uh, this past week, Mitch McConnell gave an interview, I think to Weekly Standard, somebody gave an interview to somebody, where he basically said, we're not going to allow this to continue. We're not going to be the majority party, and we cannot get a hearing, which you have to, you have to have a hearing before the Judiciary Committee, and they vote or not for the candidate, the, the nominee for um, the, the uh, federal court bench, and then the entire Senate votes, and that is the procedure. So, McConnell's finally saying, okay, you know, we can't let this stalling of Trump's nominees happen. We have to move forward. So he's saying we're going to go ahead and abandon the blue slip process. He is absolutely right on this. The notion, and there's all this whining and moaning out of uh, Chuck Schumer, out of the, the Democrat from New York. Well, this is a years of tradition. This is a very dangerous thing. You know, I mean, meanwhile... The Republicans, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the Republicans let the Obama nominees go through. Obama packed federal courts under his eight-year presidency with all sorts of liberal judges who are the ones who end up giving us decisions saying, for example, you know, President Trump doesn't have the power to issue this refugee ban when, of course, he has 100 percent authority to do that. 
he Obama packed the courts with judges who won't follow the law. And now we finally have President Trump making nominations and the Democrats standing in the way and 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 Republicans acting like they can't figure out how to solve this problem when it's very simple. They have to get rid of the blue slip rule. So finally, McConnell said he was going to. That was good. And along comes, uh, so McConnell, who is the majority leader, said this, but Senator Grassley, who is chairman of the Judiciary Committee, um, said he does not intend to make changes to the Senate procedure uh, to make it easier for the nominees to get confirmed, despite calls from powerful voices in his party, including McConnell. He basically is saying that the chair, this is a statement from his spokesman, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee will determine how to apply, how to apply the blue sip, slip courtesy for federal judicial nominees, as has always been the practice. Over the years, chairman applied the courtesy differently, but the spirit of consultation has always remained. I'm sorry, this guy has been taking lessons from John McCain, who thinks that there is a spirit of consultation between the Democrats and Republicans. It is the failure of people like Grassley to recognize that the Democrats in the Senate, they're not, they may mouth the words, they have Schumer coming out making all sorts of, you know, this is a really important thing and this is historic and we can't change this. Um, and in fact, the comment by Schumer was the Senate has fewer and fewer mechanisms that create bipartisanship and bring people to an agreement. The blue sh- blue slips are one of them. So this is Schumer, who is, you know, the Democrat wannabe, you know, running the party, the guy who is undermining President Trump at every step of the way. And Grassley is going to defer. The Republican Judiciary Chair is going to defer to Schumer saying, well, you know, we just can't do this. Wouldn't it be really nice if we did this? And, folks, this is the kind of stuff that makes Republicans in the ranks, the voters in this country, out of their minds. They can see exactly what the Democrats are doing, and they recognize the Democrats have absolutely no intention of cooperating with the Republicans, and they just will not they, they won't join the, the uh, reality that they've got to just fight for Trump's nominees in the same way that the Democrats fought for President Obama's nominees. And frankly, the Republicans did not stand the Democrats' way. Okay, we're out of time, sadly, for this week. I love talking with you every week. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. Hit our website, our YouTube page, and tune in every week. Love talking to you. Thank you for listening to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk, truth about America.